ticket. Guys, it's only fitting that on episode 100 of the Matthew West podcast, I get to tell you about my friends Simply Earth. Why? Because, well, they've been with me from the very beginning. They were the first sponsor of this tour. These friends of mine are doing incredible things, not just to make the air in your home toxin-free and help you detoxify your life, but they're also making a difference all around the world. More on that in just a second. I used to be kind of intimidated by essential oils, not even really sure how to do it. Then I discovered Simply Earth, all right? I would, I was spend this money and then I would just kind of like I don't I don't even know what to do. I'm confused, all right? But this is the solution. Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box to the rescue. They help you gain confidence and clarity in using essential oils to help make your home toxin-free. Here's how it works. You receive the recipe box with four pure essential oils, six recipe cards, and extras. You learn how to use your essential oils while making the recipes created by certified aromatherapists. You save money, you detoxify your life, and here's my favorite part. I'm going to get essential oils somehow, but I'd rather get them from a company who's on a mission to change the world, and Simply Earth is doing just that. They give 13% of all profits to end human trafficking around the world. Did you hear that? 13% of all profits go to end human trafficking around the world. That's a cause I want to get behind, and I know you do too. Simply Earth is like a meal subscription kit, but it's more fun and it's less edible. I got to make fun products that will detoxify my home while also learning safe ways to use my essential oils. The best part, these oils don't break my budget. I can buy from a company that changes the world. Simply Earth is giving 13% of all profits to end human trafficking around the world. So I want to encourage you to detoxify your home, but also do something to help end human trafficking. You can start right now with Simply Earth's Essential Oil Recipe Box. Plus, get a free 80 milliliter essential oil diffuser when you subscribe today using our URL, simplyearth.com slash west. That's simplyearth.com. You're going to get a free 80 milliliter essential oil diffuser when you subscribe using our URL, simplyearth.com slash west. These guys are changing the world. Let's do it with them. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. Now, this is not just any episode. No, 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 no. You have tuned in to the 100th episode of the Matthew West Podcast. Are you kidding me? This is what my team tells me. I hadn't been counting, but they had. And actually, I think it's technically more than 100 episodes because we've done a bunch of bonus episodes. But as far as official episodes go, we're calling this episode one. 100 and we're keeping it 100 as the kids say and uh i gotta just say thank you thanks for joining me some of you out there i know i've listened to every single episode i thank you i'm grateful and i'm going to tell you something i haven't done this lately but i think i want to bring it back i take your calls from time to time i want to hear what your favorite episode has been maybe who your favorite guest has been a favorite quote, or just, you know, if this podcast has meant anything to you, I'd love to give you a chance to share. So I want to take your calls at the official podcast hotline 601-301-2208. Again, that's 601-301-2208. I want you to call and operators are not standing by, but you can leave a message. You say, tell me your name, where you listen from, and uh, a favorite part of the podcast. It could be the theme song. It could be 
uh, a specific guest. It could be a certain thing that was said or a takeaway that you had. It could be my dad's dad vice, whatever. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, thank you so much for making this podcast part of your story. You know, I've had this desire for a long time, whether it's writing books or devotions or our ministry or this podcast, to go deeper than the three-minute song. And this podcast has allowed me to do just that. I feel like my life has been changed by one fascinating guest after the other. I've been reading more books. I've been just growing, right? And we don't want to stay the same. We want to continue to grow and become more and more like Christ most of all. And uh, I hope this podcast has been pointing you and your story in the right direction. So thank you. Episode 100. Let's make it a good one, shall we? Before we get into uh, my conversation with today's guest, I want to tell you we are down to the wire here, down to our final five shows on the brand new tour. Thanks to all who've come out to join us. We have had an amazing time and we're finishing this tour out strong in the month of May with a five-show run in the great state of Florida with my friends Kane and Hannah Kerr on the brand new tour. On the 11th, we'll be in Punta Gorda, Florida. On the 12th, Longwood, Florida. Let's see here. We've got uh, Lakewood, Florida on the 13th, Largo, Florida on the 14th, and then we finish up on the 15th in Ocala, Florida. So the brand new tour is coming to an end, but if you were not able to catch a show, oh, by the way, if you're in Florida or want to travel to Florida to see a show, go to brandnewtour.com, brandnewtour.com. We also filmed a live stream of the tour. If you couldn't be there on May 20th, that's taking place. would love to have you join me. Go to matthewwest.com to get your ticket to the live stream. It's going to be a lot of fun. So lots of good stuff going on. Of course, I'll be playing concerts throughout the summer and uh, some really special announcements actually coming your way. Did I tell you about the Christmas event we're doing in Music City this year? Um, Those tickets are selling fast, by the way. But if you want to come to Music City to hang out with me, you can find out about that at MatthewWest.com. Also, just want to say thanks to uh, my record label, Provident Label Group, for surprising me. Uh, They informed me that the song Truth Be Told has officially been certified gold. So thank you guys so much. They surprised me with the plaque and we had such a fun time celebrating and uh, it's because of you. Thanks for making the songs part of your life, just like you make this show part of your life. All right, my friends, let's get into today's episode. My guest is somebody I'm a huge fan of. He's got one of the greatest voices I've ever heard. I want him to read bedtime stories to me, but that's beside the point. He is the creator and host of a hugely popular show called Dirty Jobs. Uh, He's the narrator of Deadliest Catch, which is another show I love. Uh, He just does it all. He's got his own podcast called The Way I Heard It, which is a great, great show. Every episode worth a listen. He's a master storyteller, really. And he's taking his gift of storytelling to my friends at TBN. And he's uh, just uh, launched a a new show called The Story Behind the Story. We're going to be talking about all of that today. He's also quite an amazing singer. So maybe I'll convince him to uh, do a duet with me. All right. Let's go to the story house, my friends, with the great Mike Rowe. At the risk of sounding like I'm germing, I'm, I'm a huge fan, Mike. And um, unlike your 84-year-old mother who chose to go swimming instead of tuning into your your Fox and Friends interview, uh, 
I'm a huge fan and I've, I've tuned in, uh, as often as I can. And so I don't want to germ you, but, uh, I, uh, just have been an admirer of yours for a long time. So it's such a thrill to have you on the podcast. I know you've done a lot of TV. You've done a lot of shows on a scale of nine to 10. What's your level of excitement being part of the Matthew West podcast, which I'm sure you've never heard of before. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, honestly, it's about a nine, seven, nine, eight. <laughs> I mean, part of the reason, full disclosure, is, uh, you know, you can see where I'm sitting. I, I'm in a ridiculously overpriced hotel yes. in Manhattan. Yes, Normally, I'm in like a Super 8 or a, or a Motel 6 or anything that has a like a number yeah. <laughs> in the name. Uh, but we're here. This is where Fox put me, and I can't find a setup that really makes sense except for this. And I, now I look in the mirror, and it's chandeliers and leopard skin pillows well and people. <laughs> People are going to be like, that's not the dirty jobs guy. What happened? The kids call that a flex. And that's what I thought you were doing. I was like, this is not, he is not on the set of dirty jobs with a chandelier behind him. What, what has happened? I thought maybe this is the new thing where you're, you're doing the, the polar opposite. And look at that, that fine China you're drinking coffee from. This I know. Look, <laughs> no, it gets worse, Matthew. They have a butler service here. So I called down. I said, could I have a, you know, could I have a pot of coffee? I got a bunch of press to do. And the woman's like, let me contact your personal butler and he'll, he'll be by. I'm like, what? That's awesome. So a guy, a guy named Armando just knocked on the door and brought me fine china with a bunch of coffee. I feel like an idiot, but I'll take it. This is the truth of who Mike Rowe is. We're, we're, we're uncovering it right here, ladies and gentlemen. Dirty jobs. No way. Well, it is an honor to be talking to you. And uh, I was I was listening to uh, the most recent episode of The Way I Heard It and uh, became a huge fan of your mom and her writing and the stories of rejection, the stories of, uh, you know, the rejection in her writing. And I can relate to that. And I know you can relate to that. But I also loved how she's in your corner, but, you know, she, she was helping you define what it is you do. You seem to be a little at a little bit of a crisis in trying to figure out all the many hats that micro wears and you know, who you're supposed to be communicating to and who loves you and who hates you. Can you unpack? Have you worked through that a little bit since that episode aired? Yeah, Matt, I think I'm going to be okay. You know, I was just having a day and <laughs> look, the thing is if you're lucky enough to make it to 60, and if you're lucky enough to still have your mom around when you make it to 60, the funny thing is, you're still going to have moments where where you want to call your mommy and complain about something. <laughs> and I had a hit scheduled on Fox and Friends yes. at at five forty in the morning, right? And I and I told these guys, look, I don't want to do this anymore because there's always going to be a connection problem. It's really really early. I'm never in my right mind. And what these guys do, you know, they invite me to come on to talk about maybe how America works or dirty jobs or the the story behind the story, whatever it is I'm promoting. Right. But they can't just do that because it's a news show. The first thing they have to do is say, you know, but first, what are your thoughts on the minimum wage? What are your thoughts on immigration? How about this abortion ruling? Mm. And I'm like, guys, you know, I get a certain amount of permission through my foundation to talk about workforce issues and to talk about education, but I try to stay in my lane. And all those guys try to do is pull me out of my lane. <laughs> so on that particular morning, I found myself talking about a lot of stuff I didn't really want to talk about with a connection that wasn't really working and the sun yeah. wasn't up. So it looked like I was sitting in the dark and I just had myself a pity party. And I called my mom to see if I could feel better. And she's like, mm, I'm sorry, sweetie, but I'm going to the swimming pool. Maybe later. 
I'll just bring you right down. And on top of that, Armando the butler was two minutes late with your pot of coffee, right? I'm sure. It's a French roast, right? And he's <laughs> late. Everything's falling apart. Uh, I, I totally get that, though. And you, I think you mistakenly, I don't want to remind you of a, of a flub, but, you know, you were lamenting. About, oh, there's that French press, man. You are flexing big time here, Mike. But you, I think you mistakenly were, you were talking about an episode of the show and you said uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's crazy because I was on stage. I'm a musician. I was on stage the other night. It was like that Southwest Airlines commercial where the rapper's like, thank you, Chicago. Yeah. And they're like, Hello, Chicago was last night. You know, or yeah, and uh, want to get away. But I did the same thing in North Carolina. I, I said New York, and they and that was the worst state I could have mistaken. Nope. <laughs> no, they don't cut you a ton of slack for that. But yeah, this is... This was particularly embarrassing because I was promoting the first episode of How America Works, season two. Yes. It's a love letter to law enforcement. And that show took place down in Wilmington, North Carolina. And of course, I said Wilmington, Delaware. Because just one more thing in the middle of that crazy, hot mess of a morning. So now I got, you know, I got cops sending me letters. You know, I mean, I'm a big fan of law enforcement. And it's not like they were upset, but they were like, hey, man, you know, you are the executive producer and the narrator of the show. (laughs) If it's not too much to ask, maybe maybe you could get the state right. And it's a great show. It's number one, I think, on uh, Fox. Is that right? Fox Business Prime is doing uh, a kind of a foray into nonfiction. What happens over there is they do really well during the day, and then the markets close, and then no, nobody cares, so they turn the channel. What they've done is they've created all kinds of programming, some of which I really love. This This idea came to me. Honestly, this is Dirty Jobs without a host in it. This is just a fly-on-the-wall look at the most important industries in our country, many of which are consistently ignored or got a black eye for some reason or another. Law enforcement, obviously a big one, but oil, beef production, sugar production, aluminum, steel, airport maintenance. You know, you just take a deep dive into the industries that are really the grout that holds the tiles of civilization together. I'm doing the best job I can, but I I don't think it's because of me. I I think the country is just really, really interested right now, really engaged in wanting to understand what essential means since we've been hearing it right for the last two years. Do you do that in an effort to shine a light on the unsung heroes? Yeah, but I also do it, I mean, to be totally honest with you, that this whole thing, my whole career really was going fine for 20 years. You know, I was freelancing and doing a lot of shows that I didn't care about. I, I'm a pretty good fake host. You know, I can hit my mark and say my line and create the illusion of credibility and short bursts. And that's what I was paid to do for a long time. And then when I was 42, my grandfather, who was my my hero growing up, uh, the guy who I thought in his footsteps I, I would surely follow. He could build a house, Matt, without a blueprint. Right? Wow. He could take apart a combine, put it back together blindfolded, never read the instructions to anything. And I, uh, you know, I was sure I was going to, to do what he had done. But the handy gene is not, well, it's recessive is what it is. <laughs> and it, just, it just hopped over me. And so... <laughs> He told me years ago when I was 17 to get a different toolbox, and that's the advice that drove me in the show business. Wow. 
and then for 20 years, 30 years, you know, I, I sang in the opera. I sold stuff on home shopping channels. I did infomercials. I, I did all sorts of stuff. And then, I promise I'm going to answer your question, my mother called me. I was working for CBS sitting in a cubicle, right? I was hosting Evening Magazine at the time. Terrible little show. Nobody watched it. You know, <laughs> it was up in the Bay Area. And she called and she said, Michael, Michael, you know your, uh, your grandfather's not going to be around forever. Wouldn't it be great if before he died, he could turn on the TV and see you doing something that looked like work? <laughs> and that oh was gosh. it. That was it. So brutal, right? I mean, my God, Mom, you're killing me. So I was, uh, I was 42 at the time, maybe 41, and um, I took my cameraman immediately, and we went into the sewers of San Francisco. And I hosted the next episode of Evening Magazine from the sewer. No kidding. Yeah. And it actually got me fired from Evening Magazine, which was <laughs> fine. But the, but the response. Nobody wanted to see the sewers in San Francisco. Well, these people, you got to remember, the show comes on at 7, seven o'clock at night. They're, they're sitting down to dinner. They got their meatloaf. You know, and then some Gosh. smart Alex crawling through a river of poop. You know, I mean, it's, it's it's horrifying. So it was the wrong segment for that show, but I eventually sold it to Dirty Jobs because the response, Matt, the response, it wasn't people saying, oh my gosh, I love the show, or you're so funny, or that. It was, you think that's dirty? Wait do you see what my dad does. Okay. My brother, right. my cousin, my uncle, my sister, wait do you see what they do. And that was like the light bulb moment when I'm like, wait a second, there's nothing on television like that. That's awesome. What a great idea. It was really just a tribute to my pop. It wasn't a show. It was like, we, people don't believe me when I tell them this, but I swear it's true. We, we didn't do any pre-production. We didn't do any rehearsing, no writing, no casting, no second takes on Dirty Jobs. That's what's beautiful about it. It was, for better or worse, you saw what I saw on that day in the order that I saw it. And so we started putting out these love letters to to work. You know, it, it, it wasn't super earnest, but it was really honest. And people started to see themselves, right, in these portrayals. And that's the answer to your question. I That was 20 years ago, and I'm still doing it in part because I love it, but I'm also doing it because it works. It's the reverse commute in this crazy industry. It's very, 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 very difficult to do something unique. And and this show gave me a chance to to be unique. Well, and I love what you said. It's a tribute to Pops, that first thing you did. I feel like every episode in its own way is a tribute. It is something that makes people go, uh, like I leave an episode with a whole new appreciation for something that I would have otherwise just, uh, I would have walked past that grout on the title and not paid attention to it. And you're saying, no, 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 hey, this is the good stuff. These are the salt of the earth. And uh, and I think that's why you've endeared yourself to so many uh, Americans, just people going, hey, thank you. Thanks for noticing. Thanks for shining a light on what we do. And then empowering people to see what the true definition of success can look like in our lives. Like, uh, you know, it's not lost on me that you never once featured or followed the Kardashians during uh, an episode of Dirty Jobs or or how America works. Sorry, that was shots fired. No, but, you know, it's funny because the reason we went out of production as I pour some more coffee from my French press 
back in 2012 was there was a lot of pressure from the network. We had done 300 dirty jobs by that point. We had filmed in every state multiple times. So my goals were done. I, I did what I wanted to do. I didn't want to stay too late at the party. And, um, and the network did what networks always do. They, they tried to fix the show. They tried to fix a show that wasn't really broken. And they tried to do it not necessarily by bringing in the Kardashians, but close. You know, let's mm. bring in celebrities. Let's take John Stamos into the sewer. Let's see how he responds. And I'm like, guys, over my dead body, are we going to do that? John Stamos. I mean, I, I mean, love- with respect to John and with respect to the celebrity sure. culture, it's sure, like, yeah. aren't there enough shows? Aren't there enough Access Hollywoods? Aren't there it, enough celebrity reality things? I'm like... Dirty Jobs is about people you've never heard of working in towns you couldn't find on a map doing something that when you walk it through the crazy chronology of our connectivity, doing something that benefits you. And that's it. That's what the show is, period, hard stop. If the ratings start to fall or if people start to get bored, you know what? It's, It's just time to move on to something else. Yeah. Wow, that's wisdom right there. Well... I don't know if it's wisdom because everybody was wrong. When we went out of production, the network kept airing it because we had shot so many that and these things were evergreen, right? So they kind of held yeah. up in reruns. And that doesn't happen in reality shows. You 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 don't run old episodes of Survivor or Deadly Catch <laughs> because you know what happens. But yeah, Dirty yeah. Jobs wasn't a show, it was a mission. And so the invitation was, hey, man, come with me. I'm going to Odessa, Texas. I'm going to drill an oil well. It's going to be great. And so people kept watching. And by the time the, the lockdowns arrived, all of a sudden, essential work was back in the headlines. And the network was like, hey, yeah, maybe maybe we should do this show again. I'm like, yeah, sure. Come Fine. on. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I don't know how you find time in a day. I was reading some information on you and I was writing down, okay, what do I think? How do I think of Mike Rowe? And I think, okay, writer, TV host, producer, narrator. I mean, you have the kind of voice like, I want you to read bedtime story. Like, I, I mean, forget me reading to my kids. Don't I want Mike Rowe. <laughs> don't make it weird. I'm not coming but, to your house to read bedtime stories please, to your kids. That's what I was asking. But then of all things... At Christmas time, you come out with a song with John Rich, <laughs> and I hear you sing, and I'm like, and I'm a singer, and I'm like, no, okay, now he's stepping into my ter- territory. This is not cool. And then I thought, well, if you can't beat him, why not join him? I thought, I, I, at some point, we got to, like, I got to do a duet with this guy. This guy, you have an amazing, not just speaking voice, but your singing voice is incredible. Talk about your music journey and if you plan to do any more with that real quick because i want to obviously i want to talk about your new series on tbn but i gotta ask about the music being a musician myself yeah so music was really the first tool that i put in my toolbox when my pop said hey you can be a tradesman you just need a different toolbox remember i'm 16 at the time maybe 15 and i'm so convinced that i'm going to follow in carl noble's footsteps i'm so sure of it but it was just one of those weird things. It's like, here, here's the great lesson in life. And like, there are many, but the first one I learned was just because you love something doesn't mean you can't suck at it, right? Mm. And that's, 
That's an annoying thing to learn. But if you've ever seen American Idol, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Thousands yes. of people show up. And, and it's not just that they're not going to win. It's that you see them learn for the first time in their they're, young oh, lives yeah. that they don't have it. And you're never going to have it, right? You're never going to be an American Idol. <laughs> and it's because you can't sing, brother. Okay. Right, it's right, like, right. So – that was the hard truth my pop told me. He was like, you know, I had just screwed up a, a foundation pour. I got the concrete mix wrong, and I just hung some crooked drywall. Oh, and he's oh, like, man. look, man, this is not coming easy to you. So when he said get a different toolbox, I started looking at things that I didn't really have any interest in, but was just trying to figure out what made sense to my brain. And as it turns out, I had a weird stammer. When I was a kid, like a little stutter, and I was also really pretty shy. But you, um, you can't stutter when you sing. Wow. And I learned that thanks in part to a scoutmaster who made me sing songs around the campfire. And thanks in part really? to... Yeah, I had a high school music teacher, too, a guy named Fred King, who was... He was like Mr. Holland in Mr. Holland's Opus. Everybody yes. loved him, you know, and he, he forced me to audition for a play. And I'm up on stage, I remember stammering through the monologue, and he stops me and he's like, Mikey, I love what you're doing with the character, but this character doesn't stutter. Do that porky pig stuff on your own time, right? <laughs> okay. But I loved him and I trusted him so much, I just started from the beginning and, and I didn't stammer. And so, wow. like in that moment, I thought, okay, I'm going to act like a guy who doesn't stammer. And because I could carry a tune... Fred King, he put me in the barbershop quartet in The Music Man, right? And then suddenly I realized, oh, I, I have kind of an okay ear for music, so I could pick out the parts. And I found three buddies, and we started singing in a weird quartet because Fred King was the international champion barbershop quartetter of all time. He was- You're kidding. No, he was a legend. So for me, music in high school and in church and around the campfire- you know, I'm not a trained musician by any stretch, but I have a decent ear and I can carry a tune. And I also had a weirdly low voice for a teenager. I picture, you know, this being your voice at six years old, like with a cigar. Not, not six, but honestly, <laughs> by 16, I sounded and looked a lot like I sound and look now. I was big for my age. I was, I was awkward. And I had a, a like an Adam's apple the size of a softball. It's like uh, George Bailey in Wonderful Life. His dad says, you were born older, George. Yes, I was. I was born in another time, I think. And, uh, <laughs> and so those old barbershop songs written around the turn of the century, the saddest songs ever written, you know, they all made sense to my brain. And I, wow. and I just dug it. And so when I got out of community college, I studied some other things, you know, writing. I, I started narrating shows for National Geographic because they all thought I was in my 40s. And, I, you know, I was just a kid. <laughs> you know, you, you never meet them. You're just the narrator. So That's incredible. Oh, I'm sitting yeah. in a setup just like we are right now saying, you know, high above the vast reaches of the barren Serengeti, <laughs> the lone wildebeest peels away from the herd. Oh, my gosh. So, I'm melting. You know, so, so I start getting some positive feedback with this new toolbox. And then I audition one day on a lark for the Baltimore Opera. I learned this is the yes. Yeah. Well that's you know, no classical training. No. 
No, I went to Rosedale Library, and I asked the librarian, I said, I need to memorize the shortest Italian aria for low voice <laughs> that there is. And she said, okay. Uh, and she got me an album. It was a recording of La Boheme. And uh, the artist was uh, Samuel Ramey. Beautiful voice. And he sang this three-minute aria. It's called the Coat Aria. And so I wandered around Baltimore for about two weeks with my Sony Walkman, listening to Memorized. Samuel Ramey making sound. I had no idea what any of it meant. This is before the internet, right? It's not like I can Google anything. I'm just listening to Samuel Ramey going, Vecchia zimara senti, irrestual pianto, scende risacrimo, and so forth. So I memorized this. Amazing. And I, I, I crashed the audition, and I, and I sing it. And uh, the musical director said, um, Mr. Rowe, you have no idea at all what you're singing about, do you? And I said, no, no, I don't. He said, fine, you're in. <laughs> what? Yeah, they needed young guys with low voices. And so I got and in. And you crushed it. Yeah, I got in. My plan was to stay for maybe half a season because I needed my union card, right? And I couldn't get my Screen Actors Guild card because those unions were pretty much closed. I couldn't get an agent unless I was in the union, and I couldn't get an audition for union gigs unless I was in the union. But I couldn't get in the union unless I had done union work. So there was this weird loophole. And if I got my AGMA card, if I got in the opera, then I could buy my Screen Actors Guild card. There you go. So my That was your whole objective. My whole plan was learn an aria, get in, do a show, buy your card, get out, and then go about the business <laughs> of being a famous TV star. How long did you stay? Eight years. What? Eight years. So you must have enjoyed it then. Yeah, I enjoyed a lot, Matt, to be honest. Uh, you know, there were 80 people in the rep company. I'd say 45 women and 35 guys. <laughs> um, okay, I was going to ask if there was any part of the music thing, because I remember when I got up and sang uh, In the Living Years by Mike and the Mechanics in high school, the ladies started looking at me a little bit different. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'd be lying if I said that that wasn't one of my motivators. In fact, I had a college professor that took note of the songs I was writing and said I wrote about the two Gs, God and girls. And uh, so I, I wondered if perhaps the attention you received from the ladies when that warm baritone voice started rolling out an Italian aria. Well, look, I don't want to say anything inappropriate on this family-friendly podcast. but Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. It was just math. You know, there are 80 people, <laughs> 45 women, 35 guys. 30 of the guys had zero interest in 100% of the women. And of the, of the remaining five dudes, three of them were married. And the only other single guy had a mole on his eyelid the size of your thumb with, like, thick black hair growing out of it. And, and then there's me. You know, I'm a 22-year-old 20, kid dressed as a pirate or a Viking. And, yeah, I stayed. With a voice like velvet. And, uh... I, I stayed for eight years. And... Honestly, the music, <laughs> man, the music was so... Oh, yeah, the mu it was all about the music. Now you're going to try to get us to believe Not that. Not all. That's the best math equation we've ever heard before. Thank you for breaking down. That's how math works. Target-rich environment, I believe. Uh, <laughs> I believe it's the expression. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life can be overwhelming. You don't need me to tell you that. And many people are burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped, 
detachment, fatigue, and more. You could fill in your own blank there if you've ever felt burned out. I'll tell you what, I know what burnout means because I tend to burn the candle at both ends, whether it's going on tour or working on this podcast. I'm always putting so many things on my plate. Sometimes I can feel so busy and I get so exhausted or overwhelmed. But you know, we always associate burnout with work and that's not the only cause. Any of our roles in life can lead us to feel burned out. And BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing the stress in your life. Talking with someone. I don't know about you, but my tendency is just to keep it all inside. And I have found that talking with a licensed therapist is something that's not just slightly beneficial. It is essential in my life. And I think you can benefit greatly from it as well. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Matthew West podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash MWP. That's betterhelp.com slash MWP. Okay, you guys, I think you know that I like my coffee, right? But listen, as we age, the fatigue and lack of endurance that we can feel, it can't always be fixed with more and more caffeine. Trust me, I have gone down that rabbit hole. I have tried. It's not possible. Introducing a new way to start your day, Super Beats Heart Chews. They're a tasty treat. They give you the energy you need, and they're good for you. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, or candy for that quick pick-me-up. Add two delicious plant-based Super Beats Heart Chews to your morning routine and promote heart-healthy energy for your day without the dreaded caffeine crash, which is a very real. And that's because Super Beats Heart Chews' unique, clinically researched grapeseed extract promotes heart healthy energy and normal blood pressure as part of a healthy lifestyle i've started adding this to my morning routine they taste delicious i kind of want to take more than two but i'm not supposed to Um, but it's it's been an easy thing to add to my routine and i feel great and i got a lot of energy which is helping me record this podcast with great passion and fire the grapeseed extract used in Superbeats Heart Chews has been clinically shown to be two times as effective at supporting normal blood pressure and that healthy lifestyle. So you got to do that. Do more for your heart right now and treat yourself with Superbeats Heart Chews. For my listeners only, you can get up to 45% off plus free shipping at superbeats.com west. Now, this is their best offer available anywhere. You got to check this out. It's superbeats.com west for up to 45% off at Superbeats dot com slash west It's like your pop said, like finding a different toolbox. I think one of the things that you seem to be on a mission of, and, and really I consider, I mean, you're a master storyteller. That's what you're doing through all of this, Mike. But you know, you're also empowering and encouraging people to, to hey, you have a uniquely God-given toolbox. Your mom might look at it and think you're not really working, but you know, I, I just think that, that there's a real power in that and, and really pointing to the fact that like God has uniquely created and designed each and every one of us. We're made in his image, but there are no two of us the same. And so to not be pulled into the direction of the mainstream at every turn and go, well, I have to go to this college or I have to do this. And I can even see it with my daughters in their college prep and the school, the way the school's teaching them. It's like, there's seems to be very few voices. I feel like your shows could be curriculum just to 
show the the depth and the width of like, hey, this is a great big world with endless possibilities. And you have been given a unique set of tools that nobody else has in the way that you do. I used to think, you know, a lot of times as a musician or a songwriter or a storyteller, you know, it's a mental battle. And I'm sure maybe for you as well, there's days where you're like, it's all been done before. It's all been said before. But one of the things that's empowered me is that it's all been done before, but not the way I'm about to do it. It's all been said before, but not the way I'm about to say it. And I don't say that in an egotistical way. You know, I'm not saying that as if I'm some guy sitting in front of a chandelier drinking French roast, waiting for my masseuse to come. But I say that as a well, she's here already. No, just <laughs> need another few minutes. Stand by. <laughs> it's not Armando, but I just love that empowering message, Mike. And I think that's you know. Here's my question: Who's going to document you? How Mike Rowe works? Because these, like, we're here to talk about. You have another show on TBN called the story behind the story where you pull some of your favorite stories from the way I heard it, which is an amazing podcast that you do. If people don't know that they need to check that out and I'm going to post links to all the things, of course, the links I'm going to post on my social media to promote Mike Rowe. It's like, it's going to take me about a month just to tell people about all the things, but here you are stepping into another thing. So the, I don't understand the way Mike Rowe works or how you do it. I'm glad you do, but I want to talk real quick about, about this new TBN series, the story behind the story. And, and that's what really what you are. You're a storyteller too, aren't you? Well, I hope, you know, I mean, that's what musicians are. That's what writers are. That's what narrators are. That's what most people are. You know, it's, I mentioned a campfire earlier in the context of the Boy Scouts, which had a huge impact on my life. And um, no matter how many songs you write or how many stories you tell, it's very difficult to trump the moment where you're sitting by a fire and people lean in and you say, once upon a time, it's basic. And that's been with us from the beginning. And to your point, and to keep it in the musical vernacular, there are lots of variations on a theme. I mean, there are only, what, eight, 12 notes, right? You know, you count them up there in between the octaves, put the black keys in there as well. You got 12 notes. And when you think about what you can do with just a dozen notes, you know, whether you're Aerosmith or Vivaldi or Brahms or Pearl Jam or Matthew West or Mike <laughs> Rose, like we all have access to the same basic sounds, but what do we do with them? So yeah, figuring that out is something that I really have, haven't done, but I did realize that there is no path. There is no one path. So to answer your question, yeah, I got lucky enough to, I got my toolbox fleshed out. I embarked on a 20-year freelance career. I got a phone call from my mom that got me thinking differently about what TV could be. Dirty jobs led to somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it led to returning the favor. And somewhere in the midst of that, I started writing short stories in the style of Paul Harvey, who had a great TV show. Yes, and that's the rest of the story. The rest of the story. That's right. And Matt, to your earlier point, there are no new ideas, right? And then people have to realize I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to rip off Paul Harvey. Paul, ah, interesting. But then somebody said to me something interesting. They said, look, you're not, you'll never fill his shoes, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't walk in his footsteps. And uh, I thought there was a lot of truth in that. You know, you probably have a lot of musical influences and, and you want to, pay homage to that, but you also want to create something that's entirely your own. 
So I took the, uh, the rest of the story, renamed it the way I heard it, and expanded that format where you basically get a biographical mystery. I tell you something you don't know about someone you do, and you get to try and figure it out as I go. That's how the podcast began. This show you're talking about, the story behind the story, happened because Matt Crouch, who runs TBN, he called me one day. They had licensed uh, Somebody's Got to Do It, and it did real well for them on Saturday nights. And he said, um, Mike, I'm listening to these stories, you know, and I, and I love them, and I, I think they could be televised. I, I think we can bring them to life with reenactments, and people would love it. And I said, Matt, that's a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> you know, this is a radio. With all due respect. With all due respect, Matt, what do you know? <laughs> all right. This is, um, I want people to fill in the visuals with their imagination, right? This is made for like old time radio. It's a podcast. They said, yeah, you're probably right. But still, you know, I think you could do a hybrid of both. And I said, yeah, well, I don't. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if you know Matt, but basically yeah i do so he doesn't take no for an answer well he just went away i didn't hear from him for, oh he did oh I, okay. I mean for two months and then he comes back he says hey i want to show you something this guy had spent half a million dollars right like to show you what it could look like he took footage of me sitting on an empty stage reading my stories to an empty auditorium which is how i used to publish these things he took that that footage and he intercut it with the recreations that he had wow. been talking about. And um, I was stunned. They were terrific. And I said, Matt, look, okay, what do you want to do with this? Because this isn't a show. And by the way, you don't have the rights to any of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and he laughed. He said, oh, I know. I just, I just wanted to show you that I was right and you were wrong. <laughs> wow. And then the craziest thing happened. We're, we're sitting there laughing. And I said, look, I hate the idea that you came out of pocket spending money on an idea that can't go anywhere. Why don't, why don't we just sit down in front of your cameras in that great old barn you have out in Colorado, out on the ranch? And I said, and why don't we unpack all this? You tell me why you wanted to bring this particular story to life and, and tell me why you think there's a morality play and all of these tales. And you tell me why you believe these basic ideas are propped up by biblical thinking. And I'll tell you why I wrote them. And we'll just be a couple of middle-aged guys sitting around talking about storytelling. So we did it. And I had no idea. I mean, really, really no idea if this would work. But I got to tell you, man, I looked at, we just finished 13. They premiere. Uh, this Saturday over on TBN, and they're terrific. I don't know what to call it. It's part talk show, part performance art, part storytelling. But the conversations are good, and they're uh, relevant, and the stories are really fun, and the recreations are world-class. It's awesome. I think people are going to eat it up. It almost seems like the next step, because, you know, in an ultimately, uh, in an insanely crowded podcast world, 
it just seems like a whole new lane for your stories and your gift of storytelling to be brought to life. And I love, you know, this faith component, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, here it's called the story behind the story. And you're joined by, as you said, Matt Crouch, unpacking the moral behind these fascinating, as you describe them, true-ish tales. Um, I want to ask you in your own life, in your own story, how has your faith played a role? What role has faith been uh, in the story of Micro? I guess the oldest, one of the oldest conversations that we have in church has to do with works, right? Works versus faith. And um, there's always a balance between the two. Faith without works is indulgent. Work without faith is self-defeating. And so I think you're asking, what's the mix, you know? And and that that's constantly a work in progress. My granddad, by the way, the guy I keep mentioning, he he built the church I grew up in, specifically the uh, the Sunday school building and the basement where Troop 16 met, you know? So the church was, it was a central part of my community growing up. And I never even thought about it too much in terms of faith-based because it was such a practical place. It's where I went to the Boy Scouts. It's where we went to Lenten dinners. It's where, you know, there was always a church bazaar. There was a flea market. There was... Just kind of the epicenter, just part of everyday life. I don't know that it was the sun in my solar system, but it was a big planet, you know, and it was always there. So I'd prefer to answer your question in terms of works, specifically micro works, because that's the foundation I run today. It came out of Dirty Jobs organically. I launched it on uh, Labor Day of 2008, the day, interestingly, that Fred King, my musical mentor, died. Yeah. Um, Wow. Okay. And MicroWorks was dedicated to my, my granddad, the same guy that Dirty Jobs was dedicated to. And so that, to me, was the moment, Labor Day 2008, where I thought, you know what? At that point... Dirty Jobs was a smash hit. We were on 180 countries. It was the number one show on cable. The country was going into a recession. And I, I, I wanted to do something for the industries that had allowed my show to, uh, to prosper and me. And so MicroWorks began as a PR campaign for a couple million jobs that, for whatever reason, no one was excited about. Plumbers, steam fitters, pipe fitters welders, heating and air conditioning specialists, electricians like my pop. There were shortages then and there are shortages now in those areas. And so my foundation works kind of as a PR campaign for all those opportunities. I never promote any of the projects that I work on without bringing it back to that foundation because that's actually, that's the sun in the solar system. That's awesome. Today, uh, it's a scholarship fund. We just gave away a million bucks last month um, in work ethic scholarships. That's incredible. We do it every year. And so that's my attempt to (laughs) justify the French roast and the pending massage and the fancy (laughs) chandelier. That's my attempt to keep some sort of balance in an otherwise uh, crazy life. But Mike, I love that, you know, what micro works represents. And I love, again, it's a tribute to one of the hardest workers that you 
ever knew, right? But I also love that what you're pointing to is that there's a, a wise, wise principle in our lives is so many people are chasing after things they think will fulfill them, failing to realize that when you empty yourself, when you become about a cause greater than yourself, ironically, that is when you can find true fulfillment in life. In fact, last night I was at a, my wife dragged me to a, like a small group Bible study thing. And we were, and we were reading about the scene where Jesus washed his disciples feet. And we were talking about what, you know, I mean, you want to talk about an episode of dirty jobs, you know what I mean? Like back in those days. And I, and I was thinking about this interview that I was going to be stepping into with you. And I was thinking about like the story of Jesus, you know, washing these disciples feet. And and one of the disciples was like, you're not going to wash. Peter was like, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus tried to explain to him what he couldn't understand. But when he understood what Jesus was doing, he said, well, then wash all of me because I want all that, you know, but Jesus was displaying playing what it looks like to be a servant and to empty yourself out and to be others minded and to look after other people's needs, not just your own. And, and uh, I just think what you're showing in micro works is like, look, you've got all these things. You, you've had all these successes in your life. And yet you've reached out to say, no, I want to be about a cause greater than just the success of micro. I want to help other people feel empowered. I want to help other people discover the tools in their toolbox so that they too can go out and make the world a better place. And uh, I applaud that and I admire that. And I got to say, I mean, it's all been done before, but not the way Mike Rowe does it. It's all been said before, but no offense to Paul Harvey, but not the way Mike Rowe says it. And so I just uh, applaud you. And one of the things, every time you come on TV or every time you come across my radar, I just think, man, this guy possesses so much that this world lacks right now. One thing in particular, common sense, (laughs) but uh, I'm just so grateful for you. And I'm so grateful that I've had the chance to talk with you today the new show i'm so glad that matt crouch twisted your arm uh, the story behind the story on tbn you said you've completed 13 episodes and those are premiering uh, may 7th and i can't wait to tune in and as well as all the other great things you're doing mike so man what an honor to have you on the show today thanks for joining me anytime i'm sorry it took so long have me back. If you're bored, you can come on my podcast, assuming this little platform works, actually. Bring your own copy. It's time for songs from the Storyhouse. I couldn't stop thinking about this song as I was listening to Mike Rowe talking about faith and works and works and faith. And so I'm just going to leave this song right here, and hopefully it'll fire you up to uh, Remember that life gets good when you become about a cause greater than yourself. Oh, Lord, help us to remember that every day. Instead of waiting around for somebody else to do something, maybe, just maybe, God's looking at you and he's saying, I created you. Let's go, my friends. Check this out. I woke up this morning. Saw a world full of trouble now I thought, how do we ever get so far down And how's it ever gonna turn around So I turned my eyes to heaven I thought, God, why don't you do something Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of People living in poverty Children sold into slavery The thought disgusted me So I shook my fist at heaven I said, God, why don't you do something If not us 
He's my dad. He gives good advice. And that's why we're closing out today's show with another segment called Dad Vice. He is my dad and he gives good advice. And that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. Dad, we are on the tour bus today recording the podcast while traveling down the road. Nothing's going to stop us from making this podcast every Wednesday. And so uh, a lot of people know that you tour with me. And here we are driving down the road and yeah. recording uh, a tour bus dad vice. Uh, we've, we've begun a new series with this dad vice and with our Pop Weed Day One Devos called Me On Your Mind, inspired by my new radio single of the same title. And we're going to be diving into different examples in scripture where God's trying to get our attention and let us know that he has our attention, that he has us on his mind. So who are we talking about from scripture today? We're going to talk about Thomas, and we could give it the title that God had a doubter on his mind. And uh, Matthew, during the brand new tour, it's been so great. We've met so many wonderful people and still looking, encouraging everybody to come on out for near a city near you. But one of my favorite parts of the night is when you do the song, Me On Your Mind. And tonight we were in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina with 4,000 women of joy. And what a moment, uh, feeling God's presence as you uh, were singing this. Our scripture is John 20, verse 24, and it's a, a words from Thomas. Thomas said, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Here's a little backdrop of, of the story of Thomas. Thomas was not with the disciples when they saw Jesus after his resurrection. When they told him he did not believe them, and we just read the scripture of what, what he confessed, that unless I see his hands and uh, place my hand in his side, I will never believe Notice he was excited about the prospect of Jesus being alive, but could not accept it as a fact unless it could be proven to him. So Jesus' response, he made a personal appearance for Thomas. And Thomas' response was, my Lord and my God. Just two quick things here. One, doubt versus faith. And that's a battle that every Christ believer will face. We all have our doubts. Thomas had yeah. his doubts. Jesus' response to Thomas' doubts, he had Thomas on his mind, and he made a personal appearance to build Thomas' faith. The question, why is it important to believe without seeing? Answer, because believing without seeing takes faith. It's a battle to battle our doubts. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. A good quote here, faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. We choose to believe. Doubt can become faith, and faith brings hope. And then secondly, hope. Choosing to have faith in a risen Christ brings hope. Without it, there is no hope. And to everyone that's facing doubts, and we all do, may faith overcome doubt. 1 Corinthians 15, 7, if Christ is not risen, your faith is in vain. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Our faith in a living Christ gives us hope for now and eternity. And I close with one of my favorite Easter songs and, and worship songs all through the years. Because he lives, we have hope for tomorrow and overcoming power 
for today. The words, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Thanks, Dad. That's our show for today. Episode 100 in the books officially. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks to Mike Rowe for joining me. We're going to post a link to all the things he's got going on. Be sure to check out his latest show, The Story Behind the Story, airing on TBN. And uh, pretty cool that he's uh, you know letting his faith shine in such a way. Thanks to my dad, who always lets his faith shine uh, through a great Dad Vice devotional segment every week. If you'd love to receive a weekly written devotional sent straight to your email inbox, a free gift from my ministry to you, join the thousands of people who are already receiving that Devo. Go to popwe.org today. Our ministry is here to serve you. If you've got a prayer request, we've got a prayer network that would love to lift you up. If you've got a story you want to tell, we have a storytelling portal where you can send a video, you can send it in written form. Uh, you got to tell your story. Don't keep it to yourself because God can shine through you in a powerful way. Go to popwe.org to find out more about our ministry. We're getting ready to launch our annual giving campaign, and I want you to know that my nonprofit ministry, Popwe, is doing some really great things, and we can't do it without your support. We are faithfully supported by a group that we call our Pop We Partners. These are monthly giving partners. Listen, if any form of my ministry has encouraged you and you've looked for a way to pay it forward, we would love to have you join our Pop We Partners. Some really cool stuff going on there. A really amazing community of believers who want to reach out to a lost and hurting world and remind them that there's hope in Jesus and there is hope for our stories. Can I get an amen? So go to popwe.org today. That's our show. Make the most of the one story you get. Remember, it's your story for who? For him, for his glory. God bless you. See you next week. Seriously, I, I, I do.